Um, lovely to see you. If you haven't met me before, my name's Joe. It's great to have you with us. Um, if, if you've been around here for, for a few weeks, you would have picked something up about me that I am exceptionally cool, like <laughs> ice cool. I mean, you're shaking your head. I mean, this is. It's the time you pick, here's a demonstration of just how cool I am, right? As a teenager, I was part of First Took Sky, Scout and Guide Band. I played the Bell Lyre in the band. The Bell Lyre, if you don't know what one of those is, it's like a sort of glockenspiel on a stick. There we be, ding, 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 ding. You know, I played the Albert Hall with the First Took Scout and Guide Band. Yeah, you can say, ooh. We played in the sort of grounds of the Birmingham NEC Arena. Ooh. Well, nice to see that some of you are impressed by my achievements. And it was, um, it was a really fun thing to be a part of. But um, the Bell Lyre section was the smallest little section. There's only three or four of us in it. And the guy who sort of ran our section, he, he, he didn't go out of his way to include people. He wasn't that kind of a person. And I, was, I, I joined that section on my own. Everyone else had been there a few years longer. And I never quite felt on the inside with those guys. And then we were a small section. There was a big the drum section and the woodwind and the brass section, they were all big and they were all friends. And with, with this brilliant band, I never quite felt like I was on the inside. I always felt like I was a bit on the outside. And if you ever felt like that. And, and so much so that when, um, when something else came up on the same night, there was a clash, I stopped doing the brilliant Bell Liar and started doing something else because I felt a bit on the outside. And we can feel like that sometimes. Yesterday morning, I felt a little bit on the outside. I've been, I've been training a little bit to try and, try and get my 5K, run a little bit faster. And I thought, today's the day. I'm going to go and do the Swindon Park Run. And um, let's, try and let's try and get my time. I turned up the Swindon Park Run. It was cancelled. I didn't know park runs were cancelled. I didn't know that was a thing. I would have checked if I'd known that that was ever a thing. It's like church. It happens every week. Um, but it turns out I wasn't on the inside with the park run, the park run group. I was on the outside, because people on the inside know stuff. People on the outside don't. But, I mean, yeah, I should have asked Matt Lane. Matt's on the inside. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're in such an interesting place. We've been connected in ways we've never been connected before, through the wonderful power of our brilliant smartphones, social media. A couple of years ago, um, I'd finished reading a book. It was a great book about David, uh, Dennis Burkamp called Stillness and Speed. I recommend it if you were an Arsenal fan 10 years ago. And then um, after reading that book, I sent a tweet to the author about something in the book. And then we had this sort of long conversation with this guy. Never met him. We'll never meet him. But we're so connected. We are so connected. I've got like, I don't know, a, a sadly large number of friends on Facebook. We, there's, there's this connection we have, which we've never had before. Yet, people feel more disconnected than ever. People feel more on the outside than ever. We look at our very worst days and we compare them to people's, it's not even their best days, it's their filtered pretend best days, and we feel like there's something else happening that we're missing out on. That life is happening in wonderful ways and we're on the outside. And we might not say it like that, we might not feel it in big ways, but that's something I think lots of us can, can relate to, that we are on the outside. And you might be sitting here right now in this church feeling on the outside. You might be thinking, you know, Everyone seems to know all the songs, they know what to do. They're, everyone seems to have these nice shiny lives together, which mine doesn't match up with. I've, and you might have reasons which you think are, are good reasons for feeling like that, like I'm on the outside. And even deeper than that, we can sometimes feel that when it comes to our own personal faith. We can sometimes feel like we're on the outside when it comes to Jesus. This idea that, you know, what the stuff they say is really nice, but I can't see that working for me. 
because of this thing that I've done or this part of my story or because of because I've got doubts or I've got questions or because I don't quite get it and we can feel on the outside. Now, the group of people, when, when, when Jesus was walking the earth, the, um, the group who were really on the outside were people who had this condition called leprosy. And it's, it's one, it's, it still exists today. It's a horrible, horrible condition. Now, leprosy was horrible for three reasons, physically, socially, and spiritually. Physically, it's a disgusting condition to have. It's really, really horrible. You, um, your limbs go gross, and you start to lose feeling, and sometimes limbs even fall off. And like you can, you can I don't know, stab your hand by accident or something, you wouldn't feel it because you've lost all feeling. It's a horrible, horrible condition. It was, uh, this is going to tell you a really gross story. But in, in the 19th century, there was one famous doctor if you don't like gross stuff, you can put your fingers in your ears for 20 seconds. There was one doctor, he would send leprosy patients home with a cat so that the cat would eat the rats and mice so the mice and rats wouldn't eat body parts because they'd lost all feeling. It was so, it's a really horrible thing to have. So a condition like that, you feel like you're on the outside. But also socially. So because, because it was horrible and fairly contagious, people with leprosy were kept separate. They had to live outside of the city. They... Um, they, they would be discouraged from any contact with their family. So it didn't matter if you were, if you were married, you had family, you had, you had parents you were living with. You had to be on the outside. It was complete separation. And it was also horrible spiritually. There's a few examples, three examples in the Old Testament, where people disobey God again and again and again and again and again and again. And as a result, they get leprosy. And so because of those few examples, the general thinking was that anyone who had this condition, they had it because they'd done something wrong. They had it because they were sinful, that they'd hurt people, they'd hurt God, they'd hurt others. That it wasn't just that they were sick, they were bad. And so you've got this, this group of people who could not be more on the outside, physically, socially, spiritually, completely on the outside. And then you see how Jesus treats them. So we're in Mark chapter 1 in, in the Bibles, um, in verse 40 to 45. It'll come up on the screen. It's that final week in Mark 1, guys. We've been here, I don't know, eight weeks or something. We're going to miss it next week when we're on to, on to Mark 2. But um, here's, what, here's what it says. It says, A man suffering from a dread, dreaded skin disease came to Jesus, knelt down and begged him. If you want to, he said, you can make me clean. Jesus was filled with pity and stretched out his hand and touched him. I do want to, he answered. Be clean. At once the disease left the man and he was clean. Then Jesus spoke sternly to him and sent him away at once. Um, after saying to him, listen, don't tell anyone about this, but go straight to the priest and let him examine you. Then in order to prove to everyone that you're cured, offer the sacrifice that Moses ordered. But the man went away and began to spread the news everywhere. Indeed, he talked so much that Jesus could not go into a town publicly. Instead, he stayed out in lonely places and people came to him from everywhere. Let's pray before we carry on. Father God, we thank you um, for your Bible, that you speak to us powerfully. And we pray right now for each and every one of us, whatever our story, whatever our experience, whatever we're feeling right now, that your Holy Spirit speaks to each and every one of us. Amen. So this man with his horrible condition, he comes to Jesus. And um, what he actually does is very courageous. You know, um, for, for someone, with, with someone with leprosy, it was, you couldn't go and approach people who didn't. And so what he did was actually a real step of courage, of coming to Jesus, saying, saying Jesus, I think you could help. There's, there's something really courageous in what this man does. And also something really humble. It says that he knelt down. 
he knelt down before Jesus. And, and this is one of the most heartbreaking requests that, that I read in the whole Bible. He says in verse, um, in verse 40, he says, If you want to, he said, you can make me clean. So you've got this man who has no doubt about Jesus' ability to heal him. He's probably seen Jesus heal other people. We've seen it in the, in the last few weeks that Jesus was healing people, was casting out demons, setting people free. There was, Jesus was doing the stuff. So this man has no doubt that Jesus could do it. He says, you can make me clean. Real faith. Um, it's quite inspiring faith, actually. Faith that Jesus can bring transformation in his life. That Jesus can, Jesus can change things. His question isn't, can Jesus do it? The heartbreaking question this man comes to Jesus with is, do you want to? He's questioning two things. His own personal value, but also, also God's posture towards him, God's attitude towards him, what God thinks about this person. You know, he thinks, I am not worthy. That, that somehow I've done something that disqualifies me from God wanting to move in my life. And, and that's a place that some of us can be sometimes. We can think for good reasons, or when we say no, they may, they may feel silly, but, but they, you feel nonetheless, that actually, I'm not worth this. That for some, for some reason, everyone else is worth God moving in their life and speaking to and doing things, but not me. And then it gets even worse because um, he completely misses God's heart towards him. And it says in my translation here, it says Jesus was filled with pity. If anyone's reading from a different Bible, it might have a different word there. I've got a little asterisk and it says at the bottom, um, some manuscripts have anger. This idea that the feeling Jesus gets when, when this person says, you can heal me if you want to, it's, it's actually, it's, Jesus is angry. I don't think he's angry at the person. He's angry at the thought that Jesus wouldn't want to do good things for him. He's angry at the idea that this person could think that Jesus isn't for him. That even though everyone else tells him on the outside, the whole, Jesus' whole life message is that I've come to earth because I'm for you. Because I'm for you. And when we talk about people having a life message, it wasn't just his life message. It was his life, death, and resurrection message that I am for you. That my posture towards you, my attitude towards you, my heart towards you is that I am for you. That I love you. That, that I want to see good things happen in your life. That this is what Jesus says when he looks at you. You may feel like you're on the outside for for, for whatever reason, but Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you. And there's been this narrative in this man's life, we're not told how long he's had this horrible condition for. It could have been weeks, could have been months, could have been years, could have been decades. And everyone else has said to him, because of this, you're on the outside. But Jesus, in a moment, flips it round and says, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. Most likely, if he'd approached any of the other religious leaders, they would have told him to go away, to get out of town, to go back to the place he should be. But Jesus says, you're 
welcome here. Because what we see in the life of Jesus is this, this pivot point in the whole Bible. Because God's always been reaching out to people, but, but it looks slightly different in the Old Testament. Um, God's people needed, to, needed to, 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 to get things right, to, to, to keep all the rules so they could stay in close relationship with God. But Jesus comes and flips the whole thing around and says, I tell you what, all of your rubbish, all of the things you do badly that hurt me, that hurt other people, that hurt you, I'm going to come. I'm going to take all of those on the cross. They're going to die with me. And you can start again. You're welcome here. It's a whole shift that Jesus comes to do. And if you've been around church for a while, you could think, that, Joel, this is quite a simple message. Um, don't, we, don't we want to kind of move on to something new? But um, this is life-changing. If each and every day we grasp that when it comes to God, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. That when tomorrow starts, I don't know what your tomorrows hold. Some of you will be at home. Some of you will be at work. Some of you will be with people. Some of you will have pressures, expectations, all sorts of things. Well, here's what Jesus says. He says, you're welcome here. He says, you're welcome here. Any reason why you feel like you should be on the outside, you're welcome here. This leper, he had very good reasons, it would appear, why he should be on the outside. They're probably better than your reasons, but Jesus says, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. I am for you. Every day, you're welcome. You're forgiven. You're made new. You're invited into relationship. You're invited into partnership. You're welcome here. And the year before last, when um, President Trump he, he, he issued his executive order banning refugee resettlement in, in, in the States, and um, there, was, there, was a, there was one town in Atlanta... And um, at this one primary school in particular, it was a very mixed school. There was lots of um, local children and lots of children from re refugee backgrounds. And, um, and one family, they, they, they didn't want the children in their, son, in their children's class to feel like they weren't welcome. So they, 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 they made like a signpost that said, you're welcome here. And um, a few of the other families thought that was a great idea. And so by the time the next day started, there were 50 signs lying in the road on the way to school you're welcome here. You're part of us. You're welcome here. We're one. You're welcome here. These beautiful signs. Now, I know politics isn't quite that straightforward, but um, for those people feeling on the outside, the message they got that morning is simple. You're welcome here. And for each one of us, whatever our story, whatever our challenges, whatever we've done, whoever we've hurt, however we feel like we've let God down, for whatever reason we feel like we're on the outside, that's what Jesus says. He says, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. And we need to really let this sink in. We really need to grasp that truth for ourselves. That you're welcome here. That when it comes to Jesus, you're not on the outside. Every excuse, every reason, everything you feel disqualifies you, it was dealt with. That's what Jesus came to do. And so through faith in him, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. Now, he doesn't leave us as we are. It says that Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him. I do want to, he said, be clean. And verse, verse 42, at once the disease left the man and he was clean. This, 
There's freedom. There's power. Those things in our life which are holding, holding us back, Jesus wants to see us free from those. He wants to see us break free from addiction. He wants to see us break free from patterns that, that, that are going only downhill. He wants to see us live in our best lives. But whether we get that right or wrong, we have great success or we don't. We get better and better and better or worse and worse and worse. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. And in a world that can be divided, lonely, harsh, it can knock us down, we can feel judged in relation to others, it can be thankless, it can be heavy going, Jesus says, you're welcome here. Just look at the person next to you, give them a wink and say, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. That's what Jesus says. I mean, if we really know this with every part of us, if we really know this, both in our heads and in our hearts and in every part of our being, I mean, I know it's as simple as it comes, but how might that shift things? In your places of work, in your families, with your hopes and dreams, how might it shift things knowing that Jesus says you're welcome? Knowing that Jesus himself is for you. You know, how might that impact how we work with... How, um, how we are in the workplace, how might that impact how we are with our family? How might we see some new courage, some new freedom? How might we see things breaking off, that fear, that comparison? When we know that you're welcome here. You're welcome here. And then that's what we need to know. And then what we need to do with that is to become your welcome here kind of people. Because this isn't just for us. This message should change us, but also change how we relate to others. To make us your welcome here kind of people. To be the kind of people who look at someone like this leper who's right on the outside and say, you're welcome here. I've got a friend, he's an amazing guy, but... Um, he had a rough time, family all over the place, and um, he, he, he um, went into the army as a youngster and, 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 and was part of some, some um, really intense, intense stuff all, all over the country, all over the world. He saw some horrible things. He saw humanity at its very worst. And when he came back to, um, to the UK, it took him a long time to kind of find his way again. He was quite lost. He was quite broken. He was suffering from um, PTSD. He was quite violent sometimes. He turned to all sorts of unhelpful avenues to try and find some peace. And um, he met a couple in, um, that they were working at a care home that, that, that he would go to sometimes. And um, he just got to know them. And it turned out that they were your welcome here kind of people. And they actually invited him to come and stay with them for a while. And so they came and stayed. And, um, and he, um, he just did life with them. And they happened to go to church. And so they said, well, do you want to come with us? And he did. And the reason he did was because he felt safe with them and wanted to be where they were. And so he came along to church. The first time he came to church, he met someone like me who tried to give him a hug. And um, to the point where he pushed him away, the guy fell over. That was his first week in church. And for a long time, he sat at the back. But piece by piece, 
he met more people who were you're welcome here kind of people. He started hanging out with young people who, um, who didn't really come to church much and um, started telling them a bit about what he was learning and what he was experiencing about God. He became an amazing youth worker. He then actually trained and he's now ordained. He's a vicar. He's a chaplain up north. An amazing guy. His life was transformed by some you're welcome here kind of people. And there'll be some guys like, like Ian and Faye who do crazy things like that. And, and, and there will be times when God's calling us to do it in big ways. But it's also the small ways. It's the way we welcome people who are a little bit different from us. It's the way we, we push beyond our beyond groups of friends who are like us to people who are a little bit different and really love. You know, there's ways that we can all be your welcome here kind of people. And there's ways we can contribute to being a your welcome here kind of church. And Swindon is an amazing town. We are falling in love with this town more and more each week. There's so much um, brilliant people. There's so much community. There's so much creativity. There's life. There's, there's things happening in this town which are fantastic. And there's also its fair share of challenges and issues and brokenness like in every town. But we've got a vision here to invite people into family to serve Swindon. We've got a vision to see people who are right now on the outside of church coming and finding family, a bit like my friend Adrian, who, who, who are finding the, transformative power, the transformational power of Jesus, who, are, who, who realize that um, they're welcome here, and who end up leading and serving and making a difference here in the church and here in the town. We're dreaming of a thousand people being baptized. We're dreaming of an army of young people running after Jesus. We're dreaming of some big dreams. But all this stuff kicks off when we grasp that we're not on the outside, we're welcome. And then we pass that on. I just think for a moment, um, how could you live out this message? In your home, in, in, in the part of Swindon, Swindon or, or beyond where you live, in your place of work, the things you do each day. How can we live this out? Be a you're welcome here kind of person. And there's a cost to it. I mean, we saw for Jesus. He said to the man, listen, go get sorted out, do that, and then um, just keep quiet for a little bit. But <laughs> he didn't. And it turns out for Jesus, he, um, he couldn't go into a town publicly. Instead, he had to stay out in lonely places. There was a cost to being a you're welcome here kind of God. And there will be a cost to us. Because people like Adrian are, um, are a big headache. But it's beautiful. And it's the call of God on us personally, and it's the call of God on us on the church. Imagine if each one of us grasped that we weren't on the outside, that the things we thought disqualified us didn't, that actually Jesus changed all that, and we're welcome here. Imagine if each one of us didn't just know that as an idea, but really knew that in our spirit, that when it comes to God, we're welcome. We're not on the outside, we're welcome. And imagine if we didn't just know that message, we then lived it out. In our homes, in our streets, in the places where we go each week, with the people we see. Imagine the impact we could have on this amazing town. Imagine the people like the guy in this story who could see transformation in new life and go on to be a big evangelist. It starts when you realize you're welcome here. 
And it starts when we become your welcoming kind of people.